Uh, we're going to jump into the lesson here. It's great to be together. Uh, just a couple announcements here as uh, we're getting started. Uh, we have an event coming up this week uh, where we get an opportunity to, uh, to hear from a guy, a, a doctorate in, uh, in counseling, and he's going to be talking about grief recovery and other uh, uh, special need ministries. And so there's an event happening on uh, Friday night for all the leaders that would like to be there. Uh, at the uh, Torrance Doubletree for any interested small group leaders who are interested in this kind of ministry. And then uh, on Saturday, this Saturday from 10 to noon, uh, for anybody, uh, anybody here who would like to, to hear more about the spiritual strength thing, it's called In Motion is the Ministry. And uh, so uh, Steve sent an email out with a lot of detail about it. He sent it out about two weeks ago. Uh, but we'll forward that out on CCB again to, uh, today or tomorrow so that you can... Uh, have more more information about that but if you'd like to be a part of that that's going to be happening this week also there's a parenting uh a, a devotional happening on saturday morning as well kind of the same time frame uh, i know scott and pat have been sending information to those of you who with young parents this is for parents zero to nine and then uh, also uh this saturday is going to be our father-daughter dance our annual father-daughter dance uh there's the picture right there uh, uh this was going to be a regional event but uh, it did, the details didn't work out, so it's now just going to be South Bay. So that's why we didn't get you information about this earlier. But uh, anybody who's got a daughter, raise your hand if you've got a daughter in this room. Okay, so I hope all of you can attend. If you're not able to, uh, I'm not going to say shame on you or anything like that. But I do want you to come. Uh, you can register online. Uh, go to southbaychurch.us, and you can register for that event. And uh, it's only $10 per couple. Uh, so uh, it's going to be a great time of dinner. Uh, not dinner, but dancing and desserts and uh, time together. There's going to be a contest, so I know some of the guys are a little bit uh, with a prize. So for those of you who are competitive, and some of the guys are competitive, so it's going to be a contest. If you're visiting with, with us, we're in the middle of a uh, series called Follow. This clicker is not working. We're having a lot of technical detail uh, issues today, but... <laughs> Sorry. I have another clicker in my thing if we need. So anyway, just follow me there, uh, Sherwin, until we get that thing working. And then you can just call me over there. Uh, so we're, we're in the middle of a worship series called Follow. And uh, follow, uh, we all know what follow means, but how, what the, how that relates to Jesus is that Jesus called people to follow him. And so what it meant uh, was not just to believe in him, not just to accept him, which is kind of what you hear in Christianity nowadays, is just accept Jesus. But Jesus didn't really say to any person in the Bible ever, I want you to accept me. Or I want you to accept me into, my, into your heart. Or I, you know, he said, I want you to follow me. And, and so what it means when you follow him is you're called a disciple. And so that's what a Christian really is. And that's what the, the word the Bible uses for a Christian is the, the word disciple. The word Christian's not in there much. And so in this church, we talk a lot about being a disciple. And so if you're around us much, you'll hear us use that term. That's just because that's the term that's in the Bible. It's 270 times in the Bible whereas the word Christian is only in there three times. So, but, so we, we believe Jesus calls us to be his followers, to, to, to be like him, to, to put his teaching into practice. It's a lot different than just accepting him, right? Uh, now, the, the thing that's great, though, is you don't have to be perfect to follow him. And you can even have doubt and still follow him. You can even have sin and still follow him. It's not like he says, you got to be perfect, then follow me. He's like, no, just wherever you're at, start following me. And so wherever you are today, that's the call. You know, the people he followed, they had doubts, they had issues, they were in sin. 
uh, they were unbelieving, but he said, I want you to follow me. That's what made him feel special. Like, what, me? You want me to follow you? And, and so that, that's Jesus' call to each one of us. So that's what this series is all about. Uh, the last uh, installment we had was two weeks ago, uh, and that was uh, Steve talked about fearless. And the idea of that is that when you do follow Jesus, a lot of times there can be fear because he's going to lead you into places that might be a little scary. And so if you never have fear in your spiritual life, probably you're not really walking by faith because Jesus always kind of leads you out there where you're like, oh man, I got to just trust in you, Jesus. But, but the thing is, he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to put your trust in him and to have faith that overcomes your fear. And so he's constantly telling his guys, why were you so afraid? Uh, do, do not fear. And, and, and that was something that happened in his relationship with the guys. And so Steve talked about that. Uh, today we're going to answer the question, what should Jesus' followers wear? What should Jesus' followers wear? So the title of the lesson today is Follow Wear. Uh, we, we, went on a, we took a break from the series last week because we went on a camping trip. And here are a few pictures of the, of the camping trip. Throw the first one on there. Uh, those are some of our campers last week. We had a great time. You can see Nathaniel Hammond uh, with his, uh, his blanket. Uh, that looks like a small blanket, Nathaniel. Did that do the trick? At night? <laughs> That's a pretty small one. The next slide. There's some more pictures. Some of us went on a hiking trip. And uh, it was a great time. We had an awesome time. Uh, some of the guys went airsofting. Not on campgrounds, but they went off official campgrounds to do some airsoft. This was great. But uh, one of the things, I appreciate Ken. It, this was Ken's first time ever camping. And so I appreciate Ken uh, being willing to step out there and do it. You know, he... I appreciate that. And so I had asked him, he, he did the, our, our devotional there on, uh, on Saturday night uh, at, by the fire, the fireside devotional. It was awesome. And uh, this is the picture of, of him leading us there. And when he first showed up, you know, he, he had a, a short sleeve golf shirt on. I don't know if he had, you didn't have shorts on though. You had, you had like slacks or something. But, but he was like, he, he came up to me, he's like, I feel like I'm a little underdressed. And you know, if you've been camping, you know, it's, it's warm. And in the middle of the sun goes, the minute the sun goes down, it gets instantly cold. There's almost no in-between, you know. It's really hot camping, and then it's really cold. And so somebody uh, gave him a, a nice sweatshirt, warmed it up for him, and so he was, he was in good shape. Uh, but, you know, uh, sometimes you, you've been in that situation before where you weren't, you weren't sure how to dress, or you didn't dress appropriately or whatever. We've all been there. So I appreciate Ken's humility. He shared with everybody, hey, I've never been camping before. It helped me out. And he, he was just humble, and it was a great, great lesson. It was, it was awesome. But uh, so we're talking about how you dress spiritually today, and how you dress spiritually is important. There was a, 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 a story that Jesus told in the, in the New Testament in Matthew 22. He tells the story of, the, of a banquet. And in this story... Uh, there are, uh, there's a king and there's all these people invited to this banquet. And so, uh, you know, at first, all the people who are officially invited, like the king's uh, kind of upper, uh, upper, upper class people that knew the king or whatever, they don't want to come. And so they don't want to come. So the king says, okay, we'll just invite everybody else. I want this banquet to be awesome. And so what that is, Jesus is telling a story that it's a parallel to the kingdom of God, that sometimes the people you think should make it into the kingdom don't make it. And specifically, he was talking about the Jews in his time. They knew the scriptures. They had all these, these passages memorized that testify about Jesus. And yet, because of their own religious pride, they, they refused to follow him. So Jesus says, I want you to invite everybody, everybody. I want everybody to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's for everyone. It's for all people. 
So all these people come, the banquet is full. And then, then you get to this point in, in verse 11. It says, when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? Uh, the, the, the modern vernacular would be, dude, what's up? <laughs> what, why are you wearing that? You got issues. And so his response is, uh, it says, the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. This is kind of an odd story. You know, I don't, I don't know exactly what all this means, but what I do get out of that is, this is serious, right? The way the guy was dressed got him thrown outside. He's like, you're not in here anymore. You're, you're out. And what I get from that is God takes uh, seriously the way that we dress spiritually. Just being in a church, just being here does not make you a Christian, does not make you a disciple. Any more than, you know, hanging out at a guitar center makes you a guitar player. <laughs> you know, just being in the right spot. I mean, the guy was in the right spot, but he wasn't dressed appropriately. And uh, Anthony Glang once taught a lesson that uh, being in Taco Bell does not make you a taco. <laughs> I still remember that. So, so we're talking today about how, okay, this is serious. How I dress, if I'm a follower of Jesus, what I look like. This is, a, this is serious stuff. This is important stuff. What should Jesus followers wear? Okay, so Christians, there's kind of there's a couple options here. Uh, first, I want to give you a little quiz. You can tell who people follow by uh, what they look like. So here's, here's an example. Who are these people following? UCLA, yes. Okay, next slide. Who are these guys following? The Lakers, yes. Okay, next slide. Who are these guys following? Or ladies? Mohammed. I know we're almost afraid to yell it out. Like, oh. Yeah, they're following Mohammed. Who are these guys following? Buddha. I like how a couple of them have, have uh, sunglasses on. They're kind of rocking their outfit there a little bit. Okay, next slide. Okay, so there. Is that an example of a Jesus follower? Could be. How about this next one? All right. All right. You might be visiting with us today, and this might have been your experience with Jesus' followers. You know, there's been a lot of hatred spewed in the name of Jesus. And, uh, you know, th- th- that's, that's the... And, you know, to be honest, most people, you know, if you talk to people on campuses, this is more what they think about. When they think about Christians, they think... I mean, they, they did a poll of, of young people. Barna Research did a poll of young people. And, and they, they see Christians as judgmental, uh, you know, you know, mean-spirited, hateful, hypocritical, homophobic. You know, just that's who Christians are seen as. And so th- that's not right. You know, this is not what, how Christians should look. And in fact, Jesus said this. Look in, uh, in, in John 13, if you turn over there with me. John 13. So the context here in John 13, this is right towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He had a three-year ministry. He had his followers like we're talking about. He had uh, 12 official apostles. They were kind of his special followers that had a special role. Apostle means send uh, a messenger sending you out. You're going to be a representative of me. So he had 12 guys that were his followers, his disciples that were designated apostles. And then he had many other disciples who were following him uh, and, and learning from him and and so he had a three-year ministry. He's gaining followers and, uh, and teaching them. This is right near the end. This is the last night with his apostles before he was betrayed 
and, uh, and, and was killed on the cross. And so he, he made this a special time with them. Right before this, he takes his, his, uh, his apostles and he washes their feet. And that's something that's kind of weird for us in the Western world. We don't really think about that. But picture the first century. You know, many, most of the roads were all dirt and everybody wore sandals. And so your, your feet get really nasty. If you, you know, for those of us who went camping last week, your feet get pretty darn nasty, right? And that's with whatever shoes you had on. Imagine sandals. So your feet get really nasty. And so uh, a common thing when you're going to have a, a meal together would be to wash your feet, just clean up a little bit. And this is a task that was usually done by a slave or you did it yourself. And here Jesus, the Lord, the teacher, he gets down on his feet with a towel and he washes their feet. It, on his hands and knees, I mean, with a towel, and he washes their feet. So that was a memorable thing for them. And, and the, the point he was making was, it says in, a little bit earlier, he said he now showed them the full extent of his love. So he was, and he tells, says, I want you to do for others what I have done for you. He wasn't talking just about that, that foot washing, but what that represented overall, which was that he was humble. He, he was willing to, to stoop down to their level. He put their needs above his own. Just all, all of that that's kind of encapsulated in that moment of washing their feet. And then he says this in John 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. Now, is loving each other a new command? No, that's in the Old Testament, in fact, to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's not new. What's new? He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So it was a whole new level of love, Jesus' level. You think about how self-sacrificing Jesus was. I mean, find a place in the Bible where Jesus did anything for himself. It's really hard to find. I need some me time. I mean, there's one moment where John the Baptist is killed. That must have been a really hard time. And so he finds, he gets word about this and he, and he tells his guys, okay, let's go away to a place by ourselves you know, maybe that was a time where he was like, he was hurting and he said, I want to get away. I want to just be with God. And I, but he still called his guys with him. It wasn't like, you know, this is just me time now. It's like, okay, let's get away. Let's get away. And then what happens when he goes to the place? There's a huge crowd of people there. And so he, even then he, he gives to the people. And, and then he teaches them all day and they're hungry. So then he feeds the people. And, and then he keeps teaching and keeps healing. And then late at night, finally, he gets some time to pray by himself. And the guy's going off on the lake. And then he comes to him in the middle of the night and they think he's a ghost. And it's a great story. But anyway. It's hard to find anything Jesus did just for himself. Everything he did was for other people. So when he says, I want you to love others as I have loved you. Wow, that's an upward call, isn't it? And yet he says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this, more than anything else, Jesus said, this is what should distinguish disciples. This is what Christ followers should look like. When you see them, you should see, wow, those people love like Jesus loved. They have his compassion. They have his grace. They have his, you know, I just see Jesus' love reflected in these people. That's an upward call. That's hard. The reason it's hard is because of this truth. Uh, listen, listen to this truth. Next slide there. The gravitational pull of religion, all religion, the gravitational pull of religion is toward rule keeping rather than relationship building. Any, any religion, it happened with the Jews, right? It was in Deuteronomy, you read the book of Deuteronomy, the law was not meant to be just ritual and, 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 and mindless following. It was meant to be a heartsy law. You read Deuteronomy, it's all about hearts. And yet what happens over time is the Jews become very ritualistic and it's all about just what you do and not where your heart is. To where in Isaiah, the prophet says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
And we all saw the same thing happen with Christianity where, 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 where even the, the religion itself, Christianity, becomes a religion that's even in a different language. Some of you might have grown up in a church like that where you don't even understand what's being said because it's all in Latin. And, and, and it becomes so, uh, uh, so different than what's in your heart. And, and so that, that's easy for us to do. Even in the first century, it's easy for it to become about rule following, about rule keeping, about what I do rather than a relationship. For all of us, that's going to be the pull. The longer you're a disciple, the more it's going to be just kind of going through the motions instead of really doing things from your heart. That's just a natural tendency. And so it's a call to, to continually go back to this level of love. In just everyday ways, like even at the camping trip, just to share uh, myself, like this is going to sound a little stupid, but I had this experience where I, I was just like, man, I need to increase my love. Um, we, we were, you know, we're all together. My, my wife and my daughter were coming up the next day. Uh, ben and the Hills and, and me and my boys went up on Thursday to kind of set everything up. And so then Friday night, we're all together. We're having, uh, my, my son wanted to get s'mores. So we bought stuff for s'mores at the, you know, when you buy stuff there at the campsite, it's way more expensive in the little store there. So we spent like, you know, 10 or 12 bucks to buy some s'more stuff. And so we had, you know, the, the t- you, know, you know, everybody knows here what goes into s'mores. So I'm not even going to. Going to. We had all this stuff. And so Marshall's like, okay, we want to have some more. So I'm like, okay, let's just put out, because mom and, and Cora are coming up tomorrow. So let's just take like a third of these marshmallows and put it on the table. And let's hide the rest because we want to save some for when Cora and, and Dessa come up. And let's only put like a third of the graham crackers and let's hide the rest. And these little sticks to put them on that I bought, you know, $6 for five sticks. Let's just put a few, you know. <laughs> And so, and I realized, you know, I'm being possessive about marshmallows, you know, like, because I don't want to give too many marshmallows away, and then we don't have any for my wife and daughter coming up tomorrow. It's, it's, so, it's so stupid, and yet I just thought, that is kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm possessive of marshmallows. <laughs> I don't want to have too many people take my marshmallows, and if they're all on the table, I know all these little kids camping, they're just going to grab them. And so I got to hide some marshmallows, because I got to make sure I have some. Because those cost $5. <laughs> and you know what ended up, I mean, what ended up happening is Dessa and Cora, they bought a bunch more s'more stuff, so they could bring a ton more. And uh, yeah, and I, I was convicted and I did share the, the next night. But, but anyway, my point is just, I know we can all relate to that. Those little moments, they're just everyday moments, but where your love is tested in, in silly ways. Like letting someone get in front of you, you know, on the freeway or... Uh, something at work, you know, somebody else getting credit for something you did at work, or, or your wife, you know, not saying thank you for you doing the dishes, or you know, just little stupid things where our level of love is really tested. Are you with me? So Paul said this, 22 years later, uh, Paul is planting churches all over uh, the kind of Mediterranean area, and he he ended up being stuck in, in prison. And so we're really grateful he ended up stuck in prison because he did a lot of writing. And so we have all these letters from Paul. And he, God did things to slow him down. And then he would write to these churches because he couldn't go there in person. But we benefit from that because we have all this great teaching. But uh, one of the letters he wrote was the book of Colossians. It was to uh, the church in Colossae, to the disciples there. And he said this, Colossians chapter 3, if you want to turn over there with me. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to spend a little time there. Okay, he says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. And then he's going to go into some qualities. So 
This is important. So the, the, the starting thing is understanding how God feels about you. Like in, in John 13 that we were just looking at, it says Jesus understood that God had put everything under his feet and God was in control. God loved him. So he showed them the full extent of his love. So in other words, it starts with understanding God's love for you and, and being secure in how much God loves you and how God feels about you. If you understand that, if you feel that, if you really have experienced God's love, that frees you up to love others unconditionally because you're not trying to get back from them to kind of fill up your love tank. Because God fills you up, you realize how much God loves you and then you can give it away. And so if you, if you haven't really experienced God's love, if, you don't, if you're here today and you're, you're guilted out and you, or, or you feel like God could never love me or God could never forgive you, that's the starting point. And, and, and I encourage you to get together with somebody else here. Let's look in the Bible and let's, let's experience and understand God's love for you so then you can get to be where you need to be. So once you understand that though, that you're God's chosen person, God has chosen you. That's incredible. God, you're holy and dearly loved. That's an amazing thought that I'm holy. I mean, do you think that about yourself? I'm holy. I'm a holy person. That is not who I am in the flesh. But because of the blood of Jesus that we sang about and we we prayed about, because of Jesus, I can be seen as holy. That's amazing. Dearly loved that God loves me. So because of that, that's the starting point. Because of that, I need to clothe myself with some qualities here. I need to clothe myself. And this is a decision clothing yourself, changing the way you look, changing your appearance. It's a decision that you make every day. Uh, When I was in high school, I was into fashion. It's funny, I never think about fashion anymore. But I did a lot in high school. And I remember spending sometimes like half an hour, 45 minutes, picking out what I was going to wear the next day. This this is stupid, but this is me. Maybe nobody can relate to me. I'm putting myself out there. But I remember like putting it out on my, on my bed, you know, here's what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Putting a lot of thought into clothing myself for the next day. And I had to do it for tomorrow because I, I was, I've never been a morning person. It was hard for me to, to do it in the morning. So I had to do it the night before. So, you know, it p- take some thought into clothing yourself. Uh, when my kids were little, my kids are now 15, almost 13, and almost 10. But when they were little, uh, we used to do this family devotional where we would make a pile of clothes like that of mom and dad's clothes. And they would be in the other room. And so we'd say, okay, go in the other room, pick whatever clothes you want to put on and come back, uh, you know, dressed in those clothes. And, and, and we're gonna, we'll all laugh at how funny you look. So they would go and they'd put stuff on and they'd come back. Now, the thing they all wanted to do was try to get on as many clothes as possible. <laughs> so it'd be like mom's pants and then dad's pants and then mom's shirt and dad's shirt and another shirt. You know, and they'd come back just bundled up, ha, you know, and how funny they looked or put something on their head or do different funny things. And then we would go through the scripture and talk about these qualities and how these are, these are qualities you individually you put them on. You make the decision, I'm going to put on these things. So we're going to go through what these are. So clothe yourselves with the first one. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Okay, compassion is from your guts. The, 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 the literal Greek is from your guts. Like a lot of times when, when in the Bible it says with all your heart, it's, it's actually literally translated with all your guts, like from deep down. And so having compassion is like your bowels are moved. That's what it literally means. <laughs> it's kind of gross to us Westerners. But we know what that means. You know, when, you, when you're stirred from within, you know, you're, you're, you're like, wow, you're moved by something down deep. Oh, oh. And so clothe yourself with compassion. How can you make a decision to be clothed with compassion? I think it's looking, at, looking outward. Not being focused on yourself, but trying to see. You can't be 
You can't be compassionate if you're not trying to put yourself in their shoes. Trying to understand what must it be like in their world. And that's compassion, not just judgment. You should have, what was wrong with you? Compassion, oh, that must, I can imagine how that must feel. Compassion. Kindness. Kindness is not a, this isn't a great, this word doesn't get a lot of play with the guys. You know, it's not really cool to be kind. There was a song back in the 80s, Cool to be Kind. Uh, You know, it's not really cool to be kind. And yet, kindness means that you loan your strength to someone. It's not a weakness. Kindness is not weakness. We kind of equate it with being weak or being kind of like Mr. Rogers, you know. Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? You know, just... No, kindness is, is you have strength and you loan that to someone else. You, you're, you're doing something for them that they don't deserve or they, they, they couldn't do without you. You're, you're loaning them your strength. Kindness. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Uh, humility is, is it's putting yourself in the right position spiritually. Understanding who God is. And that if you really get a glimpse of who God is, we're all the same. No matter where you went to school, no matter how much money you have, no matter what accolades you've earned, no matter what, you know, trophies or awards or, 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 or any of that you, that you don't have, we're all the same. We all die naked with nothing. We all got to face God. Chuck Bray used to say, we all got to face God butt naked all by yourself, he used to say. <laughs> Every one of us. That's all of us. We all have nothing. And so uh, humility is understanding that and emptying yourself. It's, it's, not, it's not being down on yourself. Oh, I'm a loser. I'm no good. It's emptying yourself because you understand who God is. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. That's another one that, you know, the guys aren't so into being gentle. You know, nobody's like, oh, man, I'm working on my gentleness. <laughs> you know? And yet Paul says you've got to clothe yourself with gentleness. What does that mean? Again, it's how you approach someone or, or a situation, how you approach somebody else. It's like the difference between picking up a contact with your index finger and smashing something with your fist. It's the same strength, it's just how are you approaching? With gentleness or not gentleness? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Patience is, I, I hate patience. <laughs> you know, like... Because being patient means I don't like what's going on, right? It doesn't take patience to watch a movie that you like. It doesn't pay, take patience to do something you enjoy. It takes patience that you have to endure something you don't like, or somebody's being annoying, or something is, you don't like the situation you're in. That's patience. Patience means long-suffering. It's, deal, it's, it's gearing down, it's slowing down to, to another person's level where they are at, and being willing to be patient. Clothe yourselves Passion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then it says, bear with each other. Next, hit, hit it one more time. Bear with each other and forgiving one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So these are the things we've got to make a decision. And, and if you're around, if you've been around long, you, you know this verse. You know, you've heard this verse before. The point isn't knowing it, it's following it. It's doing it. This is what Christ followers should look like. When you see them, this is follow where? When you see their clothes, you go, okay, that's, that's a follower of Jesus. These things. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We know this, we've heard this, but, but are you doing it? it? It's hard. This is a hard verse. And, and, and following this verse, do, putting on these things, it, it gets tested when... You're in conflict. 
It's get, it gets tested when the other person is in sin. It gets tested when, you know, you, you are unjustly accused or, or it is a hard situation. It doesn't get, te- like, like in, a, in Matthew, Jesus says, if you're nice to those who are nice to you, what credit is that to you? Even evil, evil people do that. But how do you respond when somebody takes your cloak? How do you sp- respond when someone forces you to go a mile? How do you respond when someone strikes you on the cheek? That's where you get to be a Christian. And that's easy to say. It's really hard to do. When you're in that moment going, oh yeah, now I get to be like Jesus. Because everything in us, it's not natural. It's not natural. Otherwise, Jesus would, wouldn't have said, this is a new command. You've got to follow this. Paul wouldn't have said, you've got to clothe yourself with this. If it came natural, it doesn't come natural. What comes natural is the opposite of all those things. And yet this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's in those moments that you go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose how I respond. You know, I was, I was talking to one of the dads. We, you know, the dads are all friends and we're trying to help our kids. And, you know, they're, uh, we're, we're, Dustin and I are getting involved in the teen ministry. And uh, talking to one of the dads about his son and something he was going through that was hard. And somebody was kind of mistreating him. I, I mean, was mistreating him, saying something that wasn't nice. And, you know, how should he respond? And, 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 and you know... The dad was like, I feel fearful. You know, it's one thing you're, you know, dealing with things yourself. But when it's your kid, boy, you feel it all even more, right? And so he's like, I feel fearful that if he doesn't, if he doesn't kind of tit for tat, like get back in some way, then the other guy's just going to take advantage of him. And it's just, you know, it's like he's going to, you know, if this guy comes like this and my son doesn't come like this, then he's going to just be taken advantage of, right? And I, I feel fearful of that. And yet I, I said, yeah, I, I, I have the same fears. And yet Jesus said all these things for a reason. And maybe it's just that this is the way, this is what works. That when, when somebody is, is an attacker, when somebody is trying to take advantage of you, when someone is wrongly doing things towards you, if you don't respond in kind, but you, but you see God and you go, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to surrender here. And you do what the things Jesus said to do. You clothe yourselves with these things. You take away the club of the attacker. They can't do it. You can't fight someone that won't fight back. You know what I mean? You can't keep an argument going with somebody that will refuse to argue with you and, and just humbles out. You, you know, and you almost frustrate the other person. In Romans, it says you heap burning coals on their head. But if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And so doing, you heap burning coals on his head. What does that mean? It just means that you frustrate the person because they can't fight you anymore. And so Jesus' teachings, they really do work in those real world situations, although it's, it's hard. It's challenging. But it says, bear with one another. Why would Paul say bear with each other if we weren't going to annoy one another? (laughs) Why would Paul need to say bear with each other if we weren't going to just bother each other? Because we're together. We're humans. You know, being if you're new to the church, we're going to bother you and you're going to bother us. We're we're all a bunch of sinners. Right. But the the, follow where means you bear with each other. And you go, okay, I'm going to bear with it. And you forgive as the Lord forgave you. Think of how much you've been forgiven. We can't hold anything over against each other. God's forgiven us so, so much. The other time this this stuff really shines is when someone is in need. You know, I think of the times when I've been in need. I know even just this last month, Dessa had a fever for 19 days. And uh, it was hard, you know, just trying to hold things together, keep, keep the plate spinning, keep things moving. She was in bed, you know, for a long time. And, and Cora's been sick as well. And so uh, Elaine organized and some other sisters organized some dinners that come over to our house. And really want to thank each of you that brought a dinner over. 
And it, it was just, when you're, when you're in need and someone has compassion or kindness or humility or gentleness or patience towards you, oh, it's like ointment. You know, it's so good. It's like, oh, thank you so much for bringing us this meal. You, it's, it's humbling because you feel like, no, I want to be able to take care of everything myself. But then you just go, okay, well, I just got to take the, the grace and take the help. And then it's, it's really an awesome thing. And, and those acts of kindness, you might not even remember. And yet when someone is in need, it's like time slows down for them. You know, when you're in those moments, we've all had those moments, maybe when you lost a loved one or you lost a job or you were in a real health crisis. And it's like time slows down. You feel everything so acutely because it's a hard time for you. And so when someone is, does something, an act of kindness for you, it makes a huge difference. Uh, years ago, we had a miscarriage before Jameson was ever born. He's 15 now. We had a miscarriage, and we had tried for a long time to get pregnant, and we were doing uh, some different medical things. We weren't sure we were going to be able to get pregnant. And so then we had a miscarriage, and it was really hard for us. And I remember this couple, uh, Steve and Teresa Forrester, were really there for us. And they visited us at the hospital, and they gave us food, and they just really, they were there for us in a way that it, it really impacted us because we were just feeling a lot of stuff. It was a hard time for us. And I guarantee you, if you ask them, they would not even remember that. I mean, it was 15 plus years ago. They would not even remember it, but we will always remember it because it was an acute thing for it. I'll never forget Marco finding my son when he was lost. You know, he told me he forgot about it, but I still remember him running. I found Jameson. You know, he was lost. He was like little, you know, uh, four or five years old. And uh, I'll always be grateful for Marco my whole life because he found Jameson when he was lost. And, you know, those, those things we do for each other, they make an impact. They make an impact. So here, here's the thing. I want us to memorize this, at least this part. So we're going to say it a bunch of times together and memorize it. It, it. it goes on to say, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Really, all of this is represented of the, under the umbrella of love each other. So when Jesus says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you, this is kind of fleshing it out a little bit. These are the clothes that we put on. And so it says, and then he says, by this, all men will know you're my disciples. That was what distinguishes you is these qualities. So let's say this together. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Four more times. We're going to memorize this. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Can't remember how many times, but one more time. Compassion, <laughs> kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And you'll remember forgiving, and you'll remember bearing with, and you'll remember love. But if you can just even carry that around with you, and think about this week, I want to consciously put on these qualities every day. That's why you need a quiet time. You don't do a quiet time because it's a ritual that makes you right with God. You do a quiet time because it's hard to be like that. It's really hard to be like Jesus. And so you have time with God, and you pray, and you read, and you spend time with God every day because I, who I am in my flesh is not like Jesus at all. And so I need to consciously put on these things and spend time with God. This is not natural. And you know, the thing is, the less like any of these things you are naturally, you might say, well, so-and-so, they're just kind naturally. Well, the less like that you are naturally, the more it stands out, right? The more glory you give to God, the, the more unnatural it is for you to be like this. So, because the other option is this. Put that slide up there again. Your other option is that. <laughs> and what is this really? It's making a point, right? These guys are trying to make a point. Either end of the spectrum, the John 3.16 guy, he's just trying to make a point. 
God loves you. You're wonderful. God loves you. You're awesome. Just, just believe in Jesus and not perish but have eternal life. He's trying to make a point. The other guys, they're trying to make a point. You're going to hell. God hates you. You know, sin is wrong. It's not even a wrong. The point itself isn't wrong, but the way they're making the point is wrong. And, and the thing is, Jesus didn't come to make a point. Next slide. Jesus came to make a difference in the world. Jesus didn't come to make a point. He could have made a point real easily. You know what I'm saying? He came to make a difference. He came to change the world. And how are we going to change the world? It's going to be love. It's going to be by loving people. It's going to be by loving one another as he loved us. By this, what does he say? All men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. That's the way that we're going to change the world. That's the way we're going to make a difference is if we reflect these qualities to the world. And there's a multiplying effect of each one of us being like Jesus. You know, I, I, uh, Marshall, my son Marshall's into science, and we were talking about this idea of, you know, if you take a piece of paper and you fold it one time, and if you fold it another time, and we said, you know, if, what if the paper, you know, you fold it another time, another time, it keeps getting bigger, but what if the paper was, you know, endless, and you could f- keep folding? What would happen if you folded it 50 times? How big would it be? You know, would it be this tall? Would it be like the ceiling tall? And the fact is it would reach beyond the sun. And if you don't believe that, you can Google it, okay? Just Google, fold a piece of paper 50 times. Because of the multiplying effect, every time you fold it, it gets twice as big. So you can't really tell the difference when it's like this. You know, it's like, yeah, it's not making much of a difference. But you multiply it out, and every time it's another, another, another. You know, if you, and that's just a regular piece of paper. We reach past the sun. Why? Because of the, the multiplication. Anybody that knows math, they're like, yeah, duh, right. But <laughs> ordinary people are like, I don't get that. But that's the way it is with you and me. If we, if we are like Jesus, we think, oh, I'm not having much effect. But if you multiply it out, and all over the world you've got disciples who are trying to be like Jesus, that's the way the world is going to be won. Is by one by one, soul by soul, you know, helping those around us and having, being like Jesus. And if, if you're uh, visiting with us today, you came on a special day because today is Special Missions Sunday. And what it's all about is our church is not just a community church here in South Bay, but we're a part of a family of hundreds of churches all around the world called the International Churches of Christ. And uh, we, we are all connected. We're, we're all in touch with each other and we, we all help each other and we send different people here and there and people go on trips like Hope Youth Corps that Danny's on right now. And, you know, they, and so we, we help one another and we, in a real sense, we support these churches financially because in the third world, it's hard because the disciples are poor. And so they don't have enough money within the church to be self-supporting, to pay all that they need to pay for, for renting places to meet and having speakers and do, just doing all that needs to happen. And so those churches in the first world nations financially support the churches in the third world nations. And it's all arranged so different churches support different, uh, different parts of the world. And, and I think special missions is a real way for us to put into practice what we just talked about is we can show these disciples compassion. We can show these disciples our love. We can show these disciples our patience and all those things we just talked about in, in the way that we can give to them, in the way we contribute to them, the way that we support them. We can show them love. And we can really uh, help them to, to, to make a difference where they are in all those areas. So these are the, the churches we support. That's the, the graphic that was on those missions cans we gave out a couple times but it was cool for me putting this together. Just Basically, I just Googled each one of these churches and it just made it real. Like there is a church in Cairo, Egypt. You know, there is a church in, uh, where is that? I can't tell. Oh, Alexandria, Egypt. 
I don't even know what that Sudan one is. Khartoum, Sudan. You know, uh, they're, 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 those, those, each one of those little red dots, that's an actual church of disciples that are there that are counting on us for their support. And so this is really important. It, you know, this is real. It's tangible. It's not just this theoretical thing. Th- those disciples there are trying to make a difference, and they count on us for their support. And, uh, and so I, I think this is awesome. So uh, just a, a couple of things. I, I emailed out a link to a couple of videos if you want more detail about special missions. And, uh, but, but the Middle East, it's encouraging. They have grown by 30%. In the last uh, couple of years, they've grown by 30%. So this is in the midst of Syria. You know, this is in the midst of the constant tension in the Holy Land. You know, all that's been going on, we see on the news, these churches are growing. Uh, and in Mexico and Central America, they're growing as well. And our special missions that we took up went specifically to plant a, uh, uh, a campus ministry on UNAM. And uh, UNAM, there was no campus ministry it's the, one of the largest campuses in the world. There's 320 plus thousand, 320,000 plus students on one campus. I mean, that's crazy. I went to a school, you know, I, w- I was at University of Colorado for a number of years. That was 30,000. I mean, I'm picturing 10 times that. Wow, that's a lot of students. There was no campus ministry there. Now there's 40 students there. And they're on pace to double this year. They keep doubling every year. And it's just super encouraging. But that would not take place without your guys' contributions, without what you do. So what we're going to do today is, uh, as we give our, our special missions, just to remind you, we're giving 200,000, this is as the coastal LA region. So if you're visiting with us, South Bay is part of five churches that make up the coastal LA region. And so all these five groups, we're all co- compiling our funds together. We're raising 200,000 for Middle East, 200,000 for uh, Mexico and Central America. And then 50 is kind of what we normally give on a on a Sunday. So altogether, our goal is $450,000 that we're trying to raise. And so that's about 10 times what we normally give uh, on a Sunday. Uh, today's the day we're also going to be able to contribute through June uh, if, if you still have some more funds to raise or whatever. But what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer, we're going to sing some songs, and then we've, we've started this tradition where we uh, come forward with our offering, like kind of as an act of worship. And so we're going to sing three songs, and then we'll be dismissed for the day. But during those three songs, anytime you want to, you can come forward with your offering. There's some pails up here. A couple announcements before you do that. We have the mission cans with coins in them and stuff that the kids have been raising. You can dump that in there. You can put the whole can in there. Either way you want to do it. Um, the, the, the counters are going to go to Coinstar with all those coins. But they're not going to do it for like the next year. So if you don't have a can today, you can turn that can in through June. But then after that... Save it for next year or turn it into uh, real cash and contribute that later. But uh, they're only going to keep going to Coinstar this month. Uh, so, uh, so that's it. Any questions? Am I missing anything, Henry, that I need to say about special? Uh, no, that's a great idea. We'll do that next year. Because many do give online. Uh, and I really, you can give special missions online. I appreciate that you do that. So if you want to come forward in an act of worship knowing in your heart that you gave online you know I I think that's cool and you can kind of you know metaphorically place that online into there I would do that I I I will do that because I gave online too this morning all right let's pray for missions we got some uh, strapping young men who are bringing up the pails good job guys and uh and then we will uh, we'll sing some songs as we come forward Let's pray. 
God, thank you so much uh, for all you've done for us, and thank you for the opportunity to give to others who are less fortunate than ourselves. Uh, God, you have shown us so much love. Uh, you have given us so much grace, and uh, sometimes we feel guilty even how, how great we have it living in this country, having access to health care, having uh, uh, food, having shelter, having so many things that people in other countries don't have. And uh, thank you for this opportunity to give to them, to contribute to them, and I pray this offering would uh, glorify you. And I pray so much for these churches in these other countries, God. I pray that they would grow. I pray they would multiply. I pray that you would, one by one and soul by soul, just help this world to be uh, as many as possible to be saved because of the blood of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.